right, Andy Hoare. Welcome to Friday 15. Rock on, man. All right, everyone. Hey, welcome to Friday 15. My name is Brian Beck. I'm here with Andy Hoare, my partner in the Master B2B e-commerce, uh, B2B e-commerce community and thought leadership series. Andy, happy Friday. Excited to be here with you again today on another Friday. Yeah. Big week. A lot yes. happened. A lot happening. Let's get right in on it. Yeah, let's do it. So, so Andy, have you seen the, uh, I don't know if you saw just some breaking news here, a little bit about, uh, wait, oh, there it goes. Oh, oh, breaking news. I love that. <laughs> All right, that doesn't shut up. Oh, come on. <laughs> Hang on, it's going to keep on playing that thing. Anyway. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> How many times are going to do that? Uh, anyway, folks, thanks for joining us today. Uh, by the way, uh, you can put comments as we go through this into the um uh, right into the uh, bar here on uh, on LinkedIn, um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you as we go through our session today uh, on LinkedIn Live, uh, folks. Uh, Convoy. So, Andy, did you see the news? This company is a marketplace for uh, freight um, and and shipping and fulfillment services. Uber-like system that matched truckers and shippers. Right, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, all these big investors have raised two hundred and sixty million dollars in this week. Going out of business, wow! Uh, you know, it's it's just a story of like changing economic times, the difficulty of launching a marketplace. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it shows you too that billionaires and billions of dollars don't necessarily ensure success. I mean, it's kind of a complicated story, but I guess if we were to oversimplify, it's the classic economic thing where there was oversupply and under demand. But when they started this company a few years ago, there was was lacking supply in the trucking space. Right. Remember supply yeah. chain issues, et cetera. So I think they they overhired, they they built into this, they built too much and a la web van from way back in the day, it was burning too much cash. And so they just ran out of money. And then there was no liquidity opportunity. They tried to sell the company, but because right. of right. interest rates being where they are and the cost of capital, nobody was interested in buying them. So sadly, they ran yeah. into a uh, tornado and the tornado yeah. won. Yeah, I think it also speaks to yeah, the difficulty of, um, you know, the vertical marketplace space, which this is an example of more in the services side, but it's a hard business. And so I know a number of our folks in our master B2B e-commerce community, um, you know, are launching marketplaces. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, it, I think you've got both sides of the equation you have to build here, the buy and the sell side. But what's interesting, Andy, is we look, you know, at the same time, Amazon, uh, you know, we covered this, uh, I guess, about a month ago as launched supply chain solutions. Right. So at the same time, they have this huge infrastructure. They're doing what they did with AWS, but they're doing it with their, you know, fulfilled by Amazon uh, fulfillment centers and, and, uh, and their huge infrastructure they have here on the fulfillment side to make it available to B2B companies um, to you know provide product. But, you know, they're at a different end of the spectrum. Right, Andy? I mean, they've got a huge infrastructure already in place. They've invested hundreds of millions if not billions in this uh, infrastructure. So, you know, different story here, right? Yeah, and Amazon doesn't have to guess whether demand exists. Right. They don't have to, you know, try and figure out supply and demand in equilibrium, like in the classic Econ 101. They just just analyze their own company or their own customer's behavior and then identify opportunities. That's the difference is Convoy was, for lack of a better term, guessing whether there was an sure. inefficiency in the market they could meet. Amazon doesn't have to guess. Uh, so it helps. Yeah, no question. Well, Andy, as you said, it was a busy week. We were in West Palm Beach, uh, Florida, in uh, um, in here in, in October, and 
uh, for the B2B online conference. And uh, what, a, what a great event we had. Uh, you know, debate on stage, AI, uh, whether it's going to solve the the, the uh, data problem. I lost that debate. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Hoare. Apparently, people think it's ready. So uh, we'll see. And then we had an on-site studio. We had some great interviews, some awesome dinners. Andy, what was your kind of your the, the key thing you heard? What's one takeaway you took from that conference? Well, the curiosity for me was really what's going to happen in 2024. Right. And uh, I think what we heard was that there were less bullish about 2024 than they were about 2023, but they're still bullish. Right. And uh, I think the one sort of wild card in the whole thing is mm -hmm. the uncertainty about what could transpire. We talked about this before. You know, we have a presidential yep. election. We have two wars going. You know, we're not quite sure what's happening with the Fed. They're pausing. Right. interest rates, but they're not, you know, foregoing the possibility of it. So they can turn it back on at a moment's notice. And these yep. things, as we saw with Convoy, really mm -hmm. affect businesses. And B2B companies are kind of canaries in the coal mine. Right. Because when we start to see, in, you know, supply or demand start to trim in certain areas, it's an early indicator that companies are nervous. Yep. We're not really seeing this across all sectors. We're seeing it in certain sectors. But by the same token, and this is the positive news that came out of this, is um, digital is still on fire. I mean, no yeah. matter what's going on in the macro economy, no matter what's happening with B2B commerce, mm -hmm. digital and B2B e-commerce, this, this transition and, and this migration away from analog is, is real and not abating. Yeah, I heard from a lot of the also the solution providers there, uh, you know, the software companies and such that they're seeing still good momentum in terms of, you know, people upgrading systems. I was sitting next to a fellow at dinner uh, with, a, with a very large is a very large distributor saying that they're in the process of replacing some of their systems, multi-million dollar investments that are happening now, even in the face of, you know, what some consider to be economic headwinds. So, Andy, our topic today is. Well, is, and by the way, to that yeah. point, AI is, is another wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Because it's not just chat GPT or BARD. It's the fact that AI is being embedded in all technologies and mm -hmm. we're seeing real productivity gains. We're seeing. I mean, I, I didn't, we didn't share this down, uh, when we were down in Florida, uh, but it still blows me away that ChatGPT, just as an example now, ChatGPT is capable, you can take a picture of the totem pole of parking signs. Right. We've all seen these things before where right. it says, you can park here on Tuesday and Thursday, except when, you know, the planets are aligned or whatever. And you got, you got all these things on top of one another. It's like really hard to figure out. You have to do deductive reasoning. <laughs> figure out what the hell this is right chat GPT, you can just ask the question now take a picture and say Incredible. can i park here right now and it gives you an answer so it can now read signs yeah. okay imagine what this means for for people i mean just as an example technologies like this being embedded in every uh technology platform i think is a leap yeah. forward for a lot of companies and mm -hmm. we may see this trade-off between capital and labor not to get all econ wonky again here but Technology is replacing human capability and it's enabling things that just weren't possible before. And yeah. we don't know what that's going to look like in the next couple of years. And B2B companies might be taking advantage of this. They might be shifting more of the offline to online simply because the technology is so impressive. That's right. Yeah, it has huge implications, particularly for product, uh, you know, product data and things like that. And we talked about that. All right, we got to get to our topic here on our Friday 15. Is e-commerce only about bottom of funnel transactions? 
And, uh, you know, Andy, this is a topic that we hear a lot. And, you know, me growing up in the B2C e-commerce side of things, you know, for a long time, e-commerce was considered transactional, just transactional, get the sale, get it done. You know, maybe there's there's pre-qualification happening uh, by marketing and other things. But, you know, the question is really what what, you know, does it does it influence other things? And if we think about the traditional funnel, right, the marketing funnel, starting with awareness of a product or solution, going down through consideration uh, con and then down to conversion and loyalty. Right. So, again, starting at the top of the funnel, which is where you you got everybody, you know, your millions of potential people who could buy from you all the way down to those who who actually make a purchase and then return and advocate for your product and return to buy again. That's the traditional marketing funnel. And the question on the table is, is that is e-commerce really just about the bottom of the funnel or can it influence other parts of the funnel? Right. And as we look at the buyer journey in B2B, it's pretty complex. Right. I mean, and it's gotten even more so, Andy. Right. What are your thoughts on the on the buyer journey? Well, and it's also not static. And that's the other thing. In, in a slow motion world we used to have before, you know, digital and, and interactivity between buyers and sellers, like real time interactivity, maybe the funnel worked, but it doesn't work anymore. It's dead because you can change your mind at certain points along the way. There are ways to exit. That's why like this, this image on screen, which I know people on the podcast can't see, for example, but it shows a complex set of interactions where multiple channels are involved, including the web, uh, right. the general web, the company website, Amazon, events, sales, talking to peers, social media, email, digital, blah, 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 blah. And all these different points along the way where you could share, you could research, yep. you could decide, et cetera. And the one part about the funnel that sort of sinks it, in my opinion, is that it defines an endpoint, like it's a discrete moment in time. The transaction's over. We're done. Right. No. Yeah. In fact, that's what no company ever wants because it was it cost like 11 times as much to yes. find a new customer than to retain an existing customer. That's right. So the retention process is part of the journey, but the funnel doesn't identify that. So, right. Right. Yep. And then here's Gartner, you know, on screen here with an even more complex version of it. Uh, but I think what we're seeing is that this idea of static. Right. Um, you know, defined, defined stages where the beginning and end, it's over. It, it's a continuous interaction, well, not even just with your company, but also your ecosystem. That's what we've been talking about here. So, so I, you know, I agree that, you know, to some degree, the, the I think it's less about, you know, the fact that the funnel does is no longer relevant. I think it's more about the fact that the, um, that these, all these things are blending, you know, and, and, you know, Andy, we talk about, um, and for those of you um, listening on the podcast, I'm showing a picture of an iceberg, right? And if we think about, you know, really the tip of the iceberg, you know, we used to think about e-commerce just as the tip or even just sales in general. Let's talk about more generally about sales, you know, whether it's physical sales, call center, inside, outside, or e-commerce, right? Sales being the sort of the tip of the iceberg. And then, but the, the fact of the matter is all this digital stuff, influences everything down below so the whole bottom of the iceberg which isn't exposed to the surface it's not obvious it's not hey you know i can measure this sale easily i can see where it came from it's well, you, you remember know, the good old days yeah. when marketing produced the physical catalog that they sent out to customers and in that <laughs> marketing catalog it would feature items that people right. would then see and go oh let me call my customer sales rep or my or i'll send in facts in an order and i'll get it well, now that's all been kind of 
consolidated. So for example, I made a, a little list here of things and here's the, a game we can play. Is this marketing or is this e-commerce? Right. Um, right. An email <laughs> with featured items. Hmm. I got I an email it's... with a featured item. These from Global Industrial all the time. Yeah. Trying to sell me. <laughs> is that marketing or is that e-commerce? E it's both. Um, product recommendations. Mm -hmm. You know, I went there to buy X and they showed me why. Is that recommendation for why e-commerce or is that marketing? Because in the old days, that was probably marketing. But they're right. fusing together. Auto reorder. And then my favorite actually is communities. So a uh, friend of ours, Diane Kibbe at, at Farnell runs a really interesting community of engineers who buy electronic and electrical components. Right. And what is that? Is that email? I mean, is that right. e-commerce or is that marketing? Right. Because... People go in there, interact with one another, decide on things, refer yep. things. What is that? E-commerce, they buy there, but they yeah. also, you know, qualify leads there. So I don't know. To me, it seems like it's all the same. Yeah. Brian just added, uh, Brian McGlynn, thanks for your comment. He said, one of my customers went to B2B commerce to create leads on steroids. What better intent to buy than someone buying a uh, uh, small quantity to test? So, you know, is that marketing or e-commerce? You know, it's it, so... To my, to, to me, Andy, it's really, it's a, it's a blending, right? And as we look at, this is, I'm showing some data from here from Gartner Group. They did a study which showed, you know, the proportion of B2B buyers at each step in the journey, each step of the funnel, you know, the fact of the matter is that the website, and as we think about the sales process, right, the website and the physical, so work together all the way through. I mean, just look at this step. There's a step here called solution exploration, which is relatively top of funnel. Neck in neck, what, you know, the, the, the buyers using the website as well as the sales rep to make the buying decision. These things work together, Andy. I, and to your point about the funnel being dead, I think the funnel has value when you think about campaigns and things like that. But at the end of the day, you have to recognize, I think, that the funnel really isn't a funnel anymore and that you know, this is the way, um, you know, HubSpot thinks about the funnel. Uh, it was really more about engaging the customer and these channels and, and, and techniques sort of blending together. Marketing is e-commerce, is sales, sales force. And, and, you know, they're, they're all sort of, you know, uh, they need to reinforce each other, I think is the point we're making here. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they're still separate disciplines, but they have fused together and companies would be smart to think, that they aren't distinctly different things anymore. It's like the marketing people, like it's a 400 meter race in the Olympics where the first leg is marketing, the second leg is e-commerce, the third leg is, it doesn't work that way. They hand a baton and then wave back and thank the person who sent it. No, it's, it's, it's like a scrum and they're all working together to convert customers. And I'm gonna give a practical example. One of our, one of the folks in our community um, you know, runs a very, very large distributor of industrial products. I mentioned this a little bit last week, Andy. They don't think they they don't think about e-commerce as a transaction. They think about it transactionally, yes, but they're using e-commerce to generate really initial customer leads, so top of funnel into their solutions. So this company provides things like vendor managed inventory and other things that so the the higher value, stickier, more loyal services. That associate to their products they're getting people from e-commerce an individual transaction they pass them into their crm system they have their <clears throat> their sales leads follow, their sales team follow up to mature them into long-term loyal customers is that marketing is that e-commerce i'd argue it's both that's a very practical way now 
you know, there's all the other things we can talk about. We don't have time for today, which is around attribution. How do you, you know, it gets very complex. Like how, you know, so, you know, if, how, how do you attribute the, the ultimate sale or the, well, that's, know, the that's where e-commerce has an advantage because yeah. the attribution is the sale marketing. Right. The one always has to figure out, Hey, what was the influence of our spending right. on this particular campaign to drive that, especially across channel, right? And that's why CMOs only last 18 months on companies because right. they always out how to do that effectively still. But you know, this also ties back into business cases and it ties back into uh, ROI calculations because it's not just about, if e-commerce isn't just about a transaction, then what, you know, it's influencing other things. How do we measure that? Which is why I think we have to move on beyond just e-commerce and percentage of sales as the measure of success for the e-commerce function to other things. I like, like to share wallet. Yeah, share wallet, <laughs> loyalty, things like that. But, you know, we're going to be talking about this stuff. Um, so um, in some of our upcoming events, LinkedIn poll real quick, folks, everyone sort of agrees that, you know, I asked the question, we asked the question a couple of days ago, is e-commerce only about bottom of funnel transactions? And overwhelmingly, 96% of the people that responded to the poll said, no, e-com is not just about bottom of funnel. It's also great for lead generation and other activities. So, you know, the, the, there, there's a recognition, I think, Andy, in the market that it goes beyond just a silo of e-commerce sales only. The only thing that's funny about this is it's entirely possible if we'd asked marketing people this question, we've gotten a different answer. <laughs> well, that's, that's possible too, sure. So, um, you know, we talked about a little bit about... Uh, in our last, uh, we got to wrap up in a minute here, but you know we're going to cover some of these topics in our upcoming regional executive roundtables uh, on October 26th next week. Andy, we have in Chicago at the Booth School of Business at Gleacher Center in downtown Chicago a session talking about ROI and measuring you know these kinds of impacts beyond just an e-commerce transaction. We're going to give you some tools and techniques to think about building that business case and those investments in 2024, particularly right. as some companies are. You know, thinking about how do we how do we really justify these investments beyond e-com? Peer to peer, it's totally free, and it includes drinks and dinner. So, right, even better. <clears throat> yep. And then on on November eighth in Atlanta, we're doing a similar event. These are afternoon workshops followed by dinner, uh, and we're doing these regional workshops, Andy, um, over the next um, uh, eighteen months. We're doing them all over the country. So we're excited to have you all join us. You can go to our website, Master B two B. And but these are the last two of 2023, That's last right. one in Chicago, last one in Atlanta. So people want to join. This is your last chance until 2024. And God knows what's going to happen in 2024, right? Right, exactly. So the, other, the way to get connected is to join our forum, masterb2b.com. Go to the forum tab and submit your information for um, application to the, to the forum. You're a qualified practitioner. This is only manufacturers, distributors, and brands. Come on in. We'll we'll approve your application. Um, and we've got about 350 in there. It's growing up pretty quickly now. We'll be at 400 pretty soon. People that are practitioners addressing these issues in the market. All right, Andy, we've gone to Friday uh, Friday 19 here, so we've got to got to wrap up in a moment. Any final words for our listeners? No, I think, but I think this is a fascinating conversation about marketing and and e-commerce. I do think that they're starting to blend. Or they've been blending together for some time, and I think it's an artificial distinction that internal constituencies maintain, but really doesn't make any sense. So better off because no customer ever says anything about channels. They just interact with a company, right. and the marketing people have specialties, and the e-commerce people have specialties, but they're much better off working together on behalf of the customer and putting aside their artificial distinctions, like I said.
exactly. All right, folks, got to wrap it, leave it there for this week. We'll see you next week on Friday, 15, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, noon, noon uh, uh, Eastern, and uh, look forward to catching up again next week, Andy. Good session today. Yeah. All right.